Okay, Lots let's of from... news coming in right now, specifically when it comes to China. And to discuss that, plus a lot more, we have John Snyson, economic historian. And in this video, we not only will be talking about the One Belt, One Road initiative, but also the larger theory, if this is being done on purpose, for China to be able to gobble up the rest of the world while it is suffering. There's a theory like this going on. There's new bombshell reports coming out. But before we start, just wanted to, of course, tell everyone uh, we should avoid a bigger geopolitical conflict between China as much as we can already. Tensions have been heating up previously before this entire crisis gripped the world with, of course, trade wars that have been happening between these two superpowers, one an emerging one challenging the current hegemonic power. Again, historically speaking, this is not a good situation to be in and war should be avoided at all costs, especially with all the information we're getting right now with, of course, a lot of blame being put towards China as there's a new bombshell government dossier. There's also the Five Eyes Western Intelligence claims that, of course, China lied about a lot of details surrounding this crisis implicating them directly and according to some sources 17 intelligence agencies believe that this sickness originated in a wuhan lab if you remember this is something that of course i've been telling people all the way back in january was a big probability zero hedge was reporting on this being a major possibility and zero hedge got banned from twitter from even just raising this possibility. We, of course, get censored and attacked and downranked and fully demonetized for talking about that. But again, that won't stop us at all because, again, what's happening right now geopolitically is very important to recognize because it is a very dangerous situation with many implications. Donald Trump has decided to act on some of those implications and decided to cut off money to that particular lab, that lab that Dr. Fucci was financing that was doing very controversial studies into this particular coronavirus based off bats infecting human beings. Yes, that along with the lack safety procedures definitely do raise a lot of suspicions, especially with Dr. Fucci being one of the main people that was also behind a lot of this controversial research that even back then people were saying, hey, you probably shouldn't be messing around with, uh, you know, this dangerous stuff, to say the least. Donald Trump is, of course, saying that he will be taking action against China and the World Health Organization that has been backing China. As, of course, intelligence agencies are looking and digging into the truth about where this sickness originally came from, which brings us to many people theorizing that China could have done this on purpose, especially with some of the data coming out with them refusing to let the World Health Organization even investigate the origin of this outbreak. Yes, the same organization that they have in their own pockets. They can't even investigate it. There's also the fact that China shut down domestic travel from Wuhan and in its country, but allowed international flights out of the epicenter, of course, causing this sickness to spread all over the world. There's a lot of finger pointing. There's a lot of theories. But John, what do you make of it, especially with the, the larger kind of thesis that uh, this could have been done either on purpose or on accident from this bio lab. And because of this, 
this now presents an opportunity for China to come in from from all of these economies that are hurt and to buy them up pennies on the dollar to push for their one belt, one road, Silk Road initiative. What do you think about that theory? Well, I think that they, China has been, you know, on this uh, uh, track for a while. You know, they've been very jealous of the International Monetary Fund that is run by the U.S., of course. Uh, mostly they have the controlling votes in that uh, whole investment uh, bank. And, and then, uh, sure enough, so what they did back in 2014, on October 24, 2014, they created their own uh, version of the IMF called the Asia Investment uh, Bank. And so, uh, actually, there's a ton of members there. There's, uh, you know, 57 members currently. Uh, and uh, most of the Western countries are members in that bank, for all of you that were not aware, uh, except for the United States. <laughs> They're the only country that's not a member of uh, that investment bank. And what they do is they uh, invest in a whole bunch of uh, uh, a whole bunch of projects around the world, for example, uh, let me just give you some examples here of what they invested in already as a part of this whole uh, One Belt, One Road. Uh, you got the, in Pakistan in June 24, uh, no, June 24th uh, in 2016, they invested in a uh, you know, big uh, motorway in Pakistan. In Bangladesh, uh, same time, they invested in distribution, power distribution line, a road improvement in Tajikistan. Uh, in India, they did uh, development of poor districts. Uh, then they did a hydro plant in Pakistan in 2016. Uh, they invested in, uh, you know, um, a gas uh, turbine plant, uh, power plant in Myanmar, railways in Oman, port facilities in Oman, um, and so on. Let's just go to the last year or so. They invested in Bangladesh in a power system upgrade and expansion project in Bangladesh. Uh, national road improvement in Laos, they had in Sri Lanka, they were investing in uh, reduction in landslide vulnerability. Um, they invested in urban regeneration projects in Colombo, the capital of Sri Lanka. Uh, and uh, they invested in a big uh, power plant in Nepal, in India they invested, in Turkey, in, in Egypt and so on. But China also uh, individually invested in a lot of these countries. It was just a couple of years ago where Zambia actually defaulted on Chinese debt and the Chinese took over a power plant and an airport, I believe, uh, in Zambia. Uh, so they are also, it's a big involvement in, in Africa because that's the commodity basket of the world. So you have a huge fight there between the U.S. and China uh, where they're trying to, you know, uh, who gets the, the, the control of all the uh, all of the uh, commodities around because that's all what, what is it's, what it's about when it comes to being, you know, a world power. You need to have commodities to create things and to to become powerful. So that's what what they're doing right now. And of course, China with their one belt, one road initiative, which is basically a um, a massive uh, undertaking that they're doing. Uh, which is uh, their dream is to recreate the Silk Road that was back in the day. And of course, interestingly enough, the Silk Road died around the death of uh, the big Chinese empire. So. You had the Chinese empires, you know, they really started to gain power with the invention of paper money back in 1024 with the Song Dynasty, all the way to Genghis Khan and, and to the Ming Dynasty was kind of the end of that era. And that 
Uh, it's interesting when there's turmoil in the Middle East, that's usually when the Silk Road, the East-West connection, uh, a lot of times falls apart historically. Uh, and so now you're seeing, you know, huge turmoil in in, the, in that part of the region, but also have now created opportunities where they're trying to, you know, invest and create all these uh, systems of transportation between China and and especially Europe. This is uh, the major, you know, plan here is uh, is of course uh, you know doing it in uh, between Europe and 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 China, and they have railroads, you know, going from Zhengzhou all the way through Moscow all the way to Madrid uh, that they have, you know, built on infrastructure. Yep, and Europe has been very heavily hit, especially, of course, Italy that has been ravaged by this. And already China and Italy had many economic, quote, initiatives that they were working together on. There was a direct flight from one of the heaviest hit cities in Italy (laughs) directly going to Wuhan, just like you were telling me, John, earlier before we started this video. And it's not only direct flights that connected these two countries, but it was also importing Chinese slave labor. Chinese people were sent from Wuhan and other parts of China into Italy to specifically work under a special program where they worked in Italian factories so a product could have that very lucrative stamp on it that says made in Italy. Still made with slaves, still made with pennies on the dollar, still made without paying someone a fair wage, still made because of this trade initiative. And 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 somehow, you know, it still was able to resemble this prestigious made in Italy mark that of course people and consumers fond over as being something professionally and well-made. Well, no, it was just made through another step in a way of, of uh, providing China's manufacturing power. We have to understand here globally, China provides manufacturing, the United States provides services. This sickness has wiped off a lot of services and wiped off a lot of economies that many Western countries were dependent on. And now, according to some, China is seeing this as an opportunity to buy up more economies more manufacturing plants, more commodities, more resources all over the world because now the world is in pain. So as China was allowing flights from Wuhan to Italy, they completely locked down all domestic travel, which really raises the question and suspicion here, what is going on here? And we have to remember here, the Chinese government lies, so does the American government. Governments usually lie. We have to understand that bigger perspective. The intelligence agencies that are being listed here, they don't have the best record, to say the least. They've been lying to us about many different things. Russia Gate, the weapons of mass destruction. I could keep going on and on and on about these, quote, intelligence failures, when in reality, these failures benefit a lot of the special interests that these people work with. So now what we're seeing here are two big special interest groups vying for power, for money. One of them is reeling. One of them is looking at at this as an opportunity, which raises a lot of suspicion. But again, we have to avoid a bigger conflict, which historically, uh, you know, will kind of develop and happen here in one way or another. It's already happening in the trade war. But again, look at China's response here. They responded uh, to the United States after a lot of this recent information that we went over in the beginning of this video by creating a Lego-like 
animation making fun and poking the United States, saying that they weren't taking it seriously. Of course, some of this hits kind of close to home to some people. But but this is the deteriorating of relations since, of course, we know that Chinese state media is controlled by the government. Anything the government wants to say, it does it through their state television apparatuses here we we have a sort of a similar system let's not deny that here but uh with these tensions rising uh the geopolitical picture um is not a good one here but um what do you see as the geopolitical picture and especially the economic one moving forward from here john well it's interesting just to before economical you know thinking about uh, the fascism uh, versus communism back in the second world war well, what are we looking at now? We got corporate fascism on the one side in the United States versus communism in China. Uh, so it's very similar, you know, powers that are rising around the world where you have either that they joining opposite sides of the extreme. And that extreme gets created by the economic turmoil that these central bankers and, and commercial banks are printing money into oblivion and then, you know, creating a massive divide between rich and poor in countries. And that's where you have the divide and conqueror that they could take over the countries with because now you have the poor on the one side calling for for communism and everything free from the government. And then you have the rich saying that, you know, don't steal my money. I want control over my money and I want to control everybody else. Uh, like I'm talking about the ultra rich. I'm not talking about the, you know, the, uh, the, the ultra, uh, you know, the, the actual rich that, you know, earn a couple of millions and, and, and below. I'm talking about the, uh, you know, 0.01% that are in control. You know, the, the Bill Gates the Warren Buffett's, all these guys that are, you know, meddling around in, in global, uh, governments basically becoming, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, shadow governments uh, in, in their own right because they're starting to take controlling, you know, uh, assets. It was interesting, actually. There's an article here, you know, talking about the economic side. This was back in September 2014, right before the creation of the Asia Investment Bank. It was uh, Xi Jinping uh, visited Rome in 2014 on September, and then uh, they signed a memorandum of understanding, which is basically a document that two parties signed that they are not going to share what they talked about, uh, but they will, you know, look at each other's, uh, you know, what what they're going to do, and that, so that started. Uh, the whole thing that was back in 2014, actually, that Italy, you know, signed on and and they visited um, Italy at the time. And of course, China is really trying to build this there, and they're pushing a lot of people into debt. Um, you know, there's uh, massive amounts of debt accumulation, as you see through this Asia Investment Bank. These countries, a lot of these countries, doesn't have the money to pay that back. But that's that's a um, a portrayal of a loan shark, but the loan shark, they didn't do this and invent it themselves, the Chinese. They just basically created it based upon the IMF loan shark theory, you know, borrowing money to corrupt leaders abroad. And then they took the money and then their their people are broke, like in Suriname and um, uh, what is other places now there? It's like everywhere in Africa, basically, they've been, uh, you know, stealing a, a lot of money, the IMF, by, you know, these loans. And they can't pay them back, so they take all the infrastructure and valuable assets in those countries. It's it's a way of you know uh, going and and uh, praying, you know, being a uh, you know praying on the, the the poor and the unknowing, and then stealing all their assets. But that's you know ba bankers have done that throughout history. Uh, Look, yeah, I mean, I remember spending some time in Africa, specifically um, in uh, Kenya, and talking to a lot of smart individuals there, and they were talking about how 
you know, countries from the Middle East came in and subjugated them and robbed them. They're talking about how the Western world then came in and with the Middle Eastern Middle Easterners came in and robbed them. And then they're talking about, well, now today it's no longer Middle Easterners or Westerners. It's the Chinese that have come in and eventually just taken everything over, uh, according to many Africans that I personally spoke to that were very, very concerned about this. But you brought up a very interesting point. You know, we're getting China versus the United States, this kind of communist totalitarian authoritarian corporatist state versus another very kind of similar banking controlled corporatist state that benefits the 0.01%. And again, we're being pawned off against each other. Meanwhile, the globalist multinational corporations and advisors to Walmart and Amazon, where they're getting rich off of this entire conflict that is, of course, coming closer to being an actual very dangerous one for everyone else. So we need to realize that. Let's not jump to conclusions. Let's not jump on bandwagons. It's important to see everything as clearly as we can with the information that is provided in front of all of us. John, I think you did a great job. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find out more information about you? Actually, just one last thing before I say that, you know, uh, who uh, like historically wise, it's trade war, currency war, hot war. Uh, that's what happens. And that's what we've seen throughout history. That was also World War Two and so on. Uh, but yeah, you can find me at theeconomictruth.org, uh, where I have all my books, all my content, everything uh, about me and what I do and my passions uh, about money and economics and understanding that and giving people uh, an understanding of that. Uh, and then, of course, you could find uh, also another great uh, page now, which is uh, bankrun.org, where we try to look at, you know, bank uh, runs around the world and, and um, you know, alerting people to what's happening around the world uh, in this economic turmoil that we're having right now. And historically, when you look at those wars, they are usually fought along trade routes. That's why mm -hmm. China's building up a lot of its military Syria, bases. Syria. Along yeah. the trade routes. Yep. Syria is definitely a very also important geopolitical country. I could get into the geopolitics yeah. for so long. I, 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 I talk about it all day. There's so much more to get into. Stay tuned for more. Share this video with your friends and family members now. It's more important than ever. Stay tuned for more here on Change 